someone tracked me down and wrote me the most touching note because his wife was getting treatment for lung cancer. And he said, seeing your art was the best part of my day. Welcome listeners to Overexpressed and Out, hosted by me, Jenny Burkholder. And me, Roseanne Liberti. Thanks to all who listened to season one. Welcome new listeners. Overexpressed and Out takes you on a weekly outing that outs amazing women and their outward expression of healing. Roseanne, I first quote unquote met today's guest, Janice Hayes Cha, in 2013 when a picture of her mixed media collage, Self-Portrait Health 2010, Self-Portrait Chemo 2010, appeared above my poem, Deconstructing the Right Breast. In the fall edition of Forward Magazine, published by Fox Chase Cancer Center here in Philadelphia. It's a startling piece in many ways, one of which is the health panel Janice has hair, and in the chemo panel, she is bald, highlighting one of the challenging side effects of chemotherapy. Janice Hayes Cha is an artist who creates vibrant mixed media collages from recycled greeting cards, a technique she devised while recovering from cancer. Janice is a recipient of two Leeway Foundation Art and Change Grants, has exhibited and won awards in numerous juried exhibitions, has permanent installations in numerous medical and corporate settings, including Boston Children's Hospital and Einstein Medical Center. Thank you, Janice, for joining us on Overexpressed and Out. We are thrilled and honored to be here with you. Well, thank you for having me. So let's begin. Please share with our listeners what brings you joy and why. One of the things that really brings me joy is I row. I learned how to row when I was 30. And now I'm 61, so I've been rowing for 30 years. I took a break when I had kids, uh, small kids, and I'm on a rowing team with other women, and we practice three times a week, and we race. And this past weekend, I was in the head of the Charles Regatta, and uh, there's nothing more joyful than getting uh, a boat uh, to really move with other women. I love the image of you and seven other women (laughs) synchronized and in rhythm rowing into the dawn, as you had shared with us. (laughs) If you were to describe the personality of a rower, what adjectives would you use? Oh boy, let's see. Hardworking, it's a very difficult sport. A little bit obsessive because there's a great attention to detail that's required and willing to work with others, unless they row by themselves. (laughs) But in terms of being on a team, It's a constant effort to manage your own style of rowing so that it matches everybody else. Janice, tell us about the work you do in the world and how you found your way to this work. I was always an artist in my mind and was kind of identified as having artistic talent at a young age. And I always loved uh, drawing and painting and actually watercolor painting became my main hobby. And in my thirties, at the same time I learned how to row, I really picked it up again and started taking lots of classes and and not just uh, painting, but drawing and photography and illustration and 
really trying to tap into this work that I really loved. Then I had four kids and uh, kind of took a backseat to raising uh, my kids. Then I had breast cancer in my early 40s. And then after I had breast cancer, I had colon cancer. So over two years, I had two different cancers uh, that fortunately were not related to each other, although might be related genetically. So I actually felt like I wanted to document this really difficult time in my life with a self-portrait. And I had done a self-portrait, a lot of self-portraits the year after my mother died. And I found that I wanted to document this year or two as well. And I didn't really know how I would do it. And then one day I was reading through my greeting cards, my get well cards, and I had hundreds of them. And I thought, oh, I could make a collage out of these. So I couldn't initially figure out how to do a self-portrait in collage, but I started making floral designs, floral collages, looking at my get well flowers, actually. And that's how I started. And I really enjoyed doing it. There was something about the tactile part of it and the cutting and the pasting that I liked. And I found it more forgiving than watercolors and brighter. And I wound up making art that I really loved and that other people loved. And eventually it took me a long time to learn the technique well enough to be able to do a self-portrait. But as you mentioned, I finally did do a self-portrait as a chemo patient. And then uh, I realized when I finished that, that at the time, I, I mean, I was healthy. And so I thought, I, well, I have to do a healthy portrait. So I had my daughter take a photo of me. And then I did a portrait of my health which was still, it's still quite a pensive uh, self-portrait because I didn't know how long I'd have the health for, you know? So, um, but there you go. And that's the, you know, the, the work that you saw. And actually that won uh, an award at a local art show. I wonder for you, Janice, what is it about the self-portrait and about art that you do find so intriguing and healing? Well, now I would say the self-portrait was one piece. And in general, I don't do portraits. I did one collage of my mother. And then I've never done any other portraits. What I do now is I try to capture places that bring me joy, that I love. And I try to look at them through a different lens. And I try to create something that will allow other people to see this well-known place differently. So my work is very uh, joyful, I would say. It's very bright, it's very vibrant, and it's very interesting because it's made up of all these little pieces of cards. And if you look at it from a distance, it looks like a painting, but if you look up close, there's so much more to see. And I think it's a practice that's allowed me to zoom out and zoom in depending on where I am you know, in my life. The other thing that I really like about it is that I, people donate cards to me from all over the country now. People ship them to me. I have collected them at the Mass General Cancer Center. I have fans that I've never met that send me cards. I have people who have sent me both get well cards and sympathy cards when people die. People have entrusted me with the most intimate, beautiful, expressions of love 
And I feel like that love is in the pieces and it, it still touches me when I go through my cards and I look at them and I see beautiful messages to people, to other people. And it's, you know, people don't really do it very much anymore. So I feel like I'm somehow also documenting a time in our world where people sent these silly, silly cards and funny cards and touching cards to other people. I love this image of the people sending you cards and that you have a chance then to read the messages um, of grief and, and condolence that other people have suffered and that you then transform that into a, a bright piece that could be a self-portrait or it sounds like it's more about places that you love that bring people joy. What do you think cancer taught you about seeing that differently or seeing art in that way? Well, I will say that when I first had cancer, I refused to even think about the idea of learning anything from it uh, because I was angry about it and I just wanted my life back. And I feel like it's uh, something of a burden to tell people that they should be learning something from <laughs> a really bad experience and scary experience. I have a thing about the extra burden that we place on cancer patients to somehow stay positive, learn things, go on journeys. There's a particular mythology around cancer, which I believe is different from other illnesses. So I will say I did not want to change anything in my life. What I wanted was to get my life back as it was. But as you know, you can never really quite get it back because you've been through this experience. And I think what cancer really taught me is that the time is now. This is the moment for anything that you might want in your life. It's now. I already knew that because my parents died at young ages. My father died from cancer in his early 60s and my mother died from ALS. So I had seen my parents suffer and go through these horrible illnesses and die young. So I've always felt that the time is now, but then to have cancer and to be able to survive it and, and actually to never know whether you've survived it or not, because as you know, it can always come back is, is really clarified my original thoughts about life, which is that the moment is now and the time is now and both in joy and in grief. And when other people are grieving and or in trouble, or sick, or in prison, or having a hard time, the time is now also to reach out and to tell them how you feel about them and to help them in any way you can and to pray for them. And I think that's the beauty of going through hard things is the well of empathy that you develop that you can then in turn give to other people. So, and I think cards are often, greeting cards are an expression of that a lot of times. People's, um, I'm, I'm astounded at sometimes at the beauty of what people can express to another person in writing that maybe they couldn't even say if they were in person. I wonder how you imagine your art providing a healing space for others? A lot of my art is in uh, medical settings. 
been commissioned by hospitals to create art for lobbies, for maternity wings, for children's radiology, even for the emergency room at Boston Children's Hospital, a cancer center at UMass Memorial in Worcester in Massachusetts. And uh, I've been spent so much time in hospitals. I really believe that art creates a healing environment for patients and that the really great hospitals will pay attention to the environment that they have their patients in. The really great hospitals will make sure that there is something to free your mind potentially from the worry you might be having in a waiting room or that your family members might be having. The Mass General Cancer Center, where I was treated, they have rotating art exhibits. And my art was in the waiting room of the, actually, it wasn't the Breast Cancer Center. It was for people with lung cancer. It was up there for like six to nine months. And someone tracked me down and wrote me the most touching note because his wife was suffering from and getting treatment for lung cancer. And he said, seeing your art was the best part of my day. And he was really angry that his wife was ill and that there wasn't enough to do for her. And he also said, there's so much bad art out there in the medical world. And it was so good to find a place where I could just sit and look at the art. And every time I came, I would see something different. Thank you, you know, for providing me this small respite. It was so moving that I almost, I just, uh, I just, you know, I was like, wow. Mm. And I, I didn't really feel worthy of it, to tell you the truth. What would you say to another woman who's been diagnosed with cancer and is interested in taking up art as a healing practice? I would say do it. I tell everyone to take up art. Anyone who has any inkling to do any art should do it. And I think that people are told at a very young age whether they're an artist or not. And that is baloney as far as I'm concerned, because humans have evolved to make art. It is a core part of being human. And there's so many different ways of making art. And you don't need to go to art school. You don't need to be good at drawing with a pencil, which is how most people at a young age are identified as being like, quote unquote, good at art or not. So I tell everyone to do art whenever they can. But for, for someone who's going to be going through cancer treatment, it's a great way to get your head in a different space because it takes a great deal of concentration. I, I would actually say I wasn't great at concentrating on things when I was sick. So I, most of my art was done when I was in recovery and not when I was sick. I, I could barely even watch a TV show a lot of times. I did do a lot of knitting. So there was that. And when you're actively in chemo, I mean, the amount of attention you can spend on anything besides like getting from place to place and maybe working a little bit can be tough. But I would say it's a great way to focus your attention on something that's not yourself, you know, necessarily, unless you're doing a self-portrait, but you're still not thinking about yourself. So uh, yes, I would totally encourage it for anyone in recovery, in cancer treatment. Everybody has things in life that they could take a break from, and making art is a great way to take a break from life, other parts of your life.
So Janice, my grandmother, um, who we affectionately called Momo, was raised here uh, in Lancaster County. She's Pennsylvania, you know, my, my people are Pennsylvania Dutch. She did decorative paper cutting, which in German pronounced to Schernschnitte. So we have many of her pieces framed on our walls and, you know, she was very meticulous with those razor sharp scissors. In Pennsylvania Dutch, my grandmother had a name for the cuttings that made it to the floor that didn't make, you know, like the space that was cut out. And she called those schniffles, which is a classic Pennsylvania Dutch word. My question is, do you have a word for what gets left behind or for your paper scraps? And then my other question around that is, I've always wondered, do you think they are as important as the stuff that gets put into your pieces? Uh, I call them scraps like anybody else would. And, you know, when I first started doing this work, I would meticulously save all the scraps and, and sort them by color and put them in little, these little Tupperware things, because I felt like I was going to run out of material. Or if I saw a color that I really loved, I just didn't want to let it go and recycle it or whatever. And now what I try to do is have faith that the color I need will be there and that it's okay to let go of the scraps because there's more. It's not a world of scarcity. Well, my kids would say it's really not a world of scarcity because my whole studio is filled with cards and it's like, I could never use all of them, but I always want more because I never know what I'm going to find in the next little packet of cards that someone gives me because sometimes there's just spectacular colors and images and words in these cards. So my goal is to let go of the stuff I've already used and believe, even if I love it and it really works in this piece, believe that there's gonna be something else that's really spectacular for my next piece. So that's where I'm at. And I started at the very, very beginning, I was like hoarding stuff, you know, and now I don't. Janice, we've asked you to share a truth or principle that you live by. Can you share with our listeners what that is? I would say that now is the moment, uh, that now is the time, that there is something, if there is something to do that you want to do or that you, you should do because it's showing up for someone, and now is the time that there's no future necessarily. So now is the time to do something that is calling you to do. And I try to, I, I do try to live by that. I guess also like there is enough and you can be generous because there is enough. There is enough time. I mean, in terms of being generous with other people, there is enough to go around. That is um, a truth to live by. <laughs> I was thinking, Janice, with four kids and a full-time art career and all of the things that you do, um, how, you know, this idea of generosity of time and spirit is, um, is important. I, how do you fill your well? I have tried to learn that if you say yes to one thing, you're probably saying no to something else, even though you're not aware of what the no thing might be. So I try not to say yes to things, to volunteer types of things um, or professional types of things. 
unless I feel in my gut, like, yes, I totally want to do that. So professionally, I don't do commissions unless I feel, yes, I want to do that. That requires faith that there will always be another commission. There will always be work. The work I do will sell. And I don't have to do work that doesn't make me feel great or is taking me away from the things I really want to do. The same thing is true for my volunteering life. I, you know, I do a lot of different types of volunteering. And if it's not feeling like, yes, I totally want to do that, I, I don't do it now. But it does mean that you have to show up for the things that you say yes to. And if you're not going to show up, you have to say no. I don't like to do things halfway. That's great. I've been thinking a lot about this idea of quality of life and how it's not just a blanket idea for everybody and that what the quality of life looks like for a cancer patient or um, in our case, cancer patients, you know, is, is different for each person. And that, you know, this idea that there's some sort of mythology around, you know, what it means to be having this best quality of life when, you know, it's, it's so different for each of us. Managing my own mental health it, it's a, it's a lot of work. You know, it's like, you gotta like, you gotta exercise, you gotta eat, eat kind of well, you gotta, you know, uh, take medication, you gotta be with people who love you and, and, and that you love, and you're going to make time for friendships and family. And uh, it's not easy, you know, and I think about all those pieces. And it's, so it's not, it's almost like, it's not discipline as much, I guess it is, but it's more like grasping or trying to just put the things, the first things first that are just gonna keep me functioning. Well, Janice, we are deeply grateful for your time today um, and, taking, and taking time out to speak with us about you know the many facets and parts of your art journey and cancer journey. And we're honored to have shared this space with you. Oh, thank you. It's been lovely chatting with you. It's really nice. Thanks for what you're doing. It's a great podcast. Thank you, Janice, for sharing yourself with our listeners. Find Janice Hayes Cha art at JaniceHayesCha.com. Stay tuned for our next episode of Overexpressed and Out. In the meantime, join our free Substack at overexpressedandout.substack.com for pictures, links, prompts, and more. So until next time, stay well, find the joy, and we're overexpressed. And out. Overexpressed and Out is engineered and produced by Roseanne Liberti and Jenny Kirkholder. Special acknowledgments to the incredible talent of Raji Malik for the use of his song Rejoice, No Crisis from his newest album, Time of the Glowing. Find this song and others at rajimalik.com. Thanks to visual designer and artist Nicole Kurtz for making Jenny and Roseanne into a logo. Find her at NicoleKurtz.com. Thanks to our listening community who connect us with amazing women. And to all of you, overexpressed and out listeners. Take a moment to share a review of Overexpressed and Out and find us on all your favorite streaming platforms.